Welcome to the Got Science Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen MacDonald. Today we're taking a look at electric pickup trucks. And stick around after the interview. Jenna Reed is here with some very good news about a very bad pesticide. A couple of months ago, I saw that a tweet thread on the topic of pickup trucks was getting some traction online. And yeah, that was a truck pun. In the thread, which many thousands of people liked and retweeted, the author, Post Culture Review, at Post Cult Rev, made the bold claim that most pickup truck owners will never have a practical reason to use them. They also said, and I quote, pickup trucks are ridiculous clown cars, end quote. Now, I don't personally think of pickup trucks like that, but the question is a relevant one. Do pickup drivers really use their vehicles for towing or to go off-road? The research firm survey that was cited in the tweet thread found that the answer is definitely no. In fact, the vast majority of pickup truck owners use their trucks the way most of us use any vehicle, for commuting. But regardless of how people drive their trucks, they're still among the most popular vehicles sold in the United States, which means beyond the practical reasons one might buy a pickup truck, there's an attachment to the image, what they represent, or how they make drivers feel. And feelings are powerful motivators for what we buy. When I heard that Ford will be releasing an electric model of its enormous and enormously popular F-150 pickup truck next year, I knew I had to ask one of my vehicle expert colleagues to help me sort through what this could mean for pickup truck drivers, for electric vehicle markets, and for the auto market as a whole. Senior engineer David Reichmuth joined me to talk about whether we should all buy new electric F-150s. Spoiler alert, probably not. We also talked about what it means to design a vehicle from scratch as fully electric and how you might be able to hook up your fridge to your new electric pickup truck. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I was excited to see that Ford is planning to make an F-150 electric pickup truck. Are there currently any electric pickup trucks on the market? There are no electric pickup trucks currently on the market from a, a major manufacturer. And that's a big deal because pickup trucks are you know, the top selling vehicles in the U.S. And the F-150 in particular is the top selling vehicle model in the United States. So it's really important that we get larger vehicles that are electric out there. They're not there yet, but with Ford and other companies promising EVs, uh, you know, that's a big deal. So I seem to recall a few years ago, Tesla had a concept pickup slash Mad Max type of pickup truck. Did, did that ever happen or is that in the works? Yes. So Tesla announced their Cybertruck, which you know, could be Mad Max. I think of it more as Blade Runner. But uh, either way, it was very um, futuristic, definitely polarizing style. And that's still in the works, but it hasn't been released and they haven't set a release date. Now for Ford's F-150 and for another company called Rivian, that's an electric vehicle only startup, they should be starting deliveries later this year. So there are a couple other electric pickup trucks that are at least closer to being on the market. That's exciting news. You know, it's interesting that you described the Tesla pickup as a polarizing design. 
I felt that when I when I saw it. What are the differences in terms of how electric pickups, you know, how they'll drive, how much power they have, all the features of a pickup truck that we Americans embrace? How will the electric version compare? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And to your first point about how they look, I mean, it's definitely a conscious decision from on one hand, a traditional automaker like Ford that wants to come up with something that looks like an F-150 truck and that people will associate with the the gasoline F-150 and then trying to layer on these other features. Whereas Tesla definitely wants people to know that this is a Tesla and it's not like other cars. But in both cases, you're right. They do have features because they're electric vehicles. And some of those features are that, you know, of course, the obvious, they, they don't have tailpipe emissions, they don't require gasoline or diesel, but there's also some advantages, better performance, so much better acceleration than a gasoline vehicle. And then there's some other advantages of the EV that come from designing the car or truck as an electric vehicle from the start. So for the F-150, for example, because they've removed the engine and all the other, essentially all the other equipment from the front of the vehicle, it now has a lockable front truck. And that may not make a big difference on a car. But when you think about a pickup truck, the gasoline F-150, when it comes off the lot, doesn't have a place where you can, you know, have a secure lockable compartment. You have to add a toolbox or you have to add a bed cover if you want lockable storage. Um, and so that's an advantage of going to the electric drive because you don't have the engine up there. One other thing that Ford has emphasized in a lot of its marketing early is that because it's an electric vehicle, because it has that large battery there, it can actually be a source of electric power for a home or for a job site or for a tailgate. So that is something that they're really trying to play up the advantages of the electric vehicle. So let me make sure I understand that. Are you saying that the electric battery could be used in other ways other than just being the battery for the truck? Right. So you have this large capacity battery in the truck and it's, you know, if it's sitting in your driveway, what they're offering is the ability to, with the correct hookup and have to have an electrician install the correct hookup, but the ability to plug your, you know, normally you would plug your electric pickup truck into the the power from your house to recharge it. Instead, go the other way. If the power to your house is shut off because of a storm, because of other kinds of power outages, then take that power out of the truck and power your home. And they're promising for the largest range electric F-150 to be able to power a house for two to three days off uh, off of a pickup truck. So it's essentially a generator. Yeah. And unlike all the other generators out there that run off of gasoline or propane, um, you know, this is a zero emission generator and something you can just press a button in an app, presumably, and then just turn on your house. And they're also promising that the vehicle has power outlets on the vehicle so that you could plug in, say, construction tools into the vehicle instead of using a, a separate generator. That's a really cool feature. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of these things come from designing the vehicle as an electric vehicle from the start. So things like a locking front trunk or some of the performance characteristics only come if you design it as an EV from the start. I think that's something important about what Ford has done with this vehicle compared to one of their early electric vehicles. So Ford, I think it was about five or seven years ago, came out with the Ford Focus EV. So the Ford Focus is a small car and they made an electric vehicle version of it, which essentially they took a gasoline vehicle 
and they just added uh, electric vehicle components. And it wasn't a very good electric vehicle because it wasn't designed as an electric vehicle. It was designed as a gasoline vehicle. And so that was a really poor effort from Ford. I think if you look back at it objectively, now when they're starting from scratch and saying, how do we design this as an electric vehicle? Now you get these vehicles that are much better. And it puts Ford and puts other companies that are doing this in the position of they've gone from buy this car despite it being an electric vehicle to buy this car or truck because it's an electric vehicle, because it's better. And I think that's where we need all the companies to go highlight why these cars are better rather than you're making some sort of sacrifice. So how far will the F-150 be able to go on a charge? So the F-150 electric version is, is coming out in two models, one that gets 230 miles of range, and then the other one that they're targeting 300 miles of range. So looking at the big picture, transportation is the biggest contributor to the climate crisis and the biggest contributor to polluting the air that we breathe. How will electric pickups help reduce emissions and will that be significant enough to get us on the right path? So that's a great question. And I mean, it's it's really you know, one of the primary reasons why we want to transition from gasoline and diesel to electric vehicles is to reduce emissions. So there's, a, there's some good news here and there's some bad news. The good news is that the Ford F-150 electric version is going to have much lower emissions when we look at climate changing emissions than the gasoline version. And so when I've looked at the total emissions from both from getting electricity to the pickup truck, so whether that's burning coal or natural gas or all the other sources we use in the, in the United States, and then compare that to the process of getting crude oil and, and making gasoline, getting gasoline to filling stations and then burning it, of course, in the in the vehicle, we see much lower global warming emissions for the electric version. So in California, my estimate, now this is an estimate because we don't know the exact efficiency numbers for the electric F-150. But if you're in California, driving that F-150 would make the electric version would have emissions equal to an 85 mile per gallon gasoline vehicle. And that's compared to the gasoline version, which at best gets around 20 miles per gallon. So it's about a quarter of the emissions for the electric vehicle compared to the gasoline version. And for over 70% of, of the people in the US, driving the electric version of the Ford F-150 should make less than half of the global warming emissions of the gasoline model. And what's the bad news? The bad news is that we don't know the official numbers yet, but the F-150 electric version probably be one of the least efficient electric vehicles on the market when it comes up for sale. And so for people that need a pickup truck, we want them to switch from the gasoline to the electric version. But if you just need a, a car, I'd much rather have people go to a more efficient electric vehicle than go from a gasoline car to an electric pickup truck. If they don't need the features of the pickup truck, if you're not going to be towing things, if you're not going to be using the cargo bed, then we really want to make sure that people choose the most efficient vehicle that suits their transportation needs. We'll be back in a minute with the second half of our interview. Got Science is brought to you by the Union of Concerned Scientists. More at gotsciencepodcast.org. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, PRX, and all the usual podcast outlets. 
For a transcript, a full bio of our guest, and more resources, head over to gotsciencepodcast.org. If you like the podcast, here are a couple of ways you can help us out. First, you can subscribe. It's free and easy. Just click on the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Another way to help is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with us, check us out on Twitter at GotScienceUCS. Now let's get back to our interview. Well, David, it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword if they're going to make the, the EV so cool with, you know, being able to plug things in and power your house if the, if the power goes out. People are going to want them. That's true. And, and so some of those features, you know, a lot of the features will come to other cars, the smaller cars or smaller SUVs or, or, or minivans. And so that's what we need people to have more electric vehicle options so that it's not a choice between five or six electric vehicle models or even, I mean, right now there are 40 to 50 models, but a lot of them are very low volume electric vehicle models. We want the same sort of choices that you have in the gasoline vehicle market. And that way you wouldn't be saying, well, I want an EV that you can use as backup power, but my only option is the Ford F-150. We need to be in a place where you can have those same features and get a hatchback if that's what you need for driving. Right. I was being a little a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I had been thinking before we started this interview that an EV pickup might be a hard sell, but the features that you've mentioned are really pretty appealing. Do you have a sense of how electric pickup trucks are going to play on the market? Do you think there will be wide-scale adoption? It's hard to say exactly what will happen. I think there's some places where it will definitely make sense or be more popular early. Definitely for fleet users of pickups or commercial users of pickups, Ford is also making a lower cost, slightly lower range version for the commercial market with less comfort features that you don't need for for that market. And I think those users, it, it would make a lot of sense for fleets and commercial users where, you know, the cost of fuel is an important parameter and they can make those sort of purchasing decisions looking at the dollars and cents. I think they are advertising the power, the backup power a lot. And, you know, in places like where I live, I mean, last year we lost power for days at a time with wildfire safety shutoffs. And obviously, the, you know, places like in Texas that had multi-day power outages, the promise of being able to power your house with your car would probably be very enticing. But, you know, on the flip side, I mean, that, that there probably will be a significant part of the market that will be less interested in looking at EVs or just doesn't consider that themselves an EV buyer. And so I think that will be something that all the manufacturers will have to start working on is how to, you know, how to sell electric vehicles effectively. They've put an incredible amount of money into trying to sell and trying to convince people that they need inefficient, large SUVs and pickup trucks. I'm a fan of the, the San Francisco Giants. I watch and listen to many of their games. And I don't know how many advertisements I've seen for, for big SUVs and pickup trucks, highlighting how you need one to get to the, the top of some remote mountain peak or through a forest, even though 95% of them probably are the most extreme driving is there's a pothole on the way to Costco. Are they planning for this to be a mainstream product? I, I think they are. 
I think they are looking at this as something they're going to try to sell in volume. Now, on the other hand, the F-150 is the largest selling vehicle in the U.S. market. So they still are probably going to sell a lot of, of gasoline F-150s. But it does look like they are trying to make an effort to, to make this an, a vehicle they actually tried to sell, which Ford in the past you know, has sold the cars like the Focus EV as just a compliance vehicle. Other manufacturers like Honda have done that in California where they just sell a minimum number of vehicles to meet regulatory requirements and and call it a day. I think this is something that that Ford is actually trying to going to try to sell as uh, as a real product. Now you you mentioned Rivian and Tesla as other companies that are planning to make EV pickup trucks. Are there other more mainstream car manufacturers that are hopping on board and are going to follow suit? Yeah, so GM has is, is going to come out with the Hummer EV, which I believe does have sort of a pickup-like version coming out. And they're also talking about electrifying some of their other pickup models. So we may see Chevy and GMC pickups, trucks with electric versions, though the timing is a little bit unclear on that. The The company that owns Dodge and Ram, it's called uh, Stellantis now, is talking, they've come out with a version of one of their Jeep products with a plug-in hybrid. And I think they've talked about electrifying their models, but it's definitely looking a little bit further off in the future for those companies and then there's some really some migrants, uh, Toyota in particular. Uh, Toyota, often people think of Toyota, they think of the Prius, but Toyota sells an awful lot of Tacoma pickup trucks in the US. And they have been very resistant to going with fully electric vehicles. So th- that's, you know, for companies like that, I that will take a change in their, their, th- their thinking. Yeah, Toyota has been a real disappointment on that front. So are there things that we can do to try to let's see, shall I say, rev things up a little bit and get more EV pickup trucks and more EV cars on the market? Yeah. So there's a couple things that I think about is one is things that we can do to encourage or in some cases force the manufacturers to, to move quicker to electric vehicles. And and so things like both federal and, and state regulations are an important tool. So in California, we have the zero emission vehicle regulations that require sales of electric vehicles. And that those regulations have been adopted by 11 other states in, in the nation. And then at the federal level, there's the fuel economy standards. And just recently, there's an announcement from President Biden on looking at new, more stringent vehicle standards for emissions. And, and electric vehicles can be part of the way that companies meet those standards. So re- regulation is part of it. Investing in infrastructure for charging is go- also going to be important. So the more places there are for people to charge means it's going to be easier to take longer trips in electric vehicles and reduce some of the worry that people have in buying an electric vehicle. Am I going to be able to drive across country in this vehicle? Yeah, it's more of a theoretical consideration, really, for a lot of people. I mean, I'm not going to drive cross country. I don't have any plans to, but still people want to be able to know they can take their car wherever they want to go in the U.S. And having more charging stations between cities, between major areas is going to help. Money for infrastructure is also going to help in solving the problem of getting charging to people that can't charge at home. Now, if you have a uh, garage or driveway that you can get electric power to, it's probably pretty straightforward to 
charge an electric vehicle. If you live in an apartment building where, where you don't have street only street parking, it might be really tough for you to charge where you live. And so investing in charging solutions for apartment buildings and, and for these other cases is, is going to be important too, to make sure that there's more potential customers for those electric vehicles. What kind of solution would there be for an apartment building or if you have on-street parking only? Yeah. So on-street parking is the toughest because the solution would likely be having more fast charging stations and higher power fast charging stations so that you could, you know, once a week or so go to a charging station and get a quick charge. The other for apartment buildings, there are options in terms of getting charging into those parking lots or parking structures. I will say it's a lot easier though if you do it from the start. That's something that, that especially local governments and, and state governments should be looking at is revising building codes so that when you build a new parking garage, at the very minimum, you leave space, you put in conduits so that you can run the wiring for charging stations. Even if you don't put them in right now, you know, it's a lot easier to leave space or put conduit in concrete than to go try to go back. Right and put in these charging stations. So especially for the stuff that we're building now, you know, realizing that those parking spaces are going to need power. What sort of pickup truck future do you dream about? Paint the picture for me. What do you want to see in the next few years? Gosh, so, I mean, obviously we want to eliminate as many tailpipes as we can. And so turning all of those pickups into electric vehicles would be great for the environment and for trying to slow down climate change. I especially would love to see that in the commercial segment and the fleet segment where, you know, it's just is a no brainer, just from a dollar and cents point of view, where we don't have to convince people that it that it makes sense. I think that's the place where really, it seems like that's where we we need to see it. I guess the other thing is that we do need to, I would love to see the manufacturers shift their their marketing so that they're not in trying to get everyone into an oversized vehicle. You know, if you look at the people that actually need pickup trucks, it's probably a much smaller fraction of the market than the number of people that buy pickup trucks. And so trying to find a way to change the, the marketing of these of vehicles in general so that we get people into the vehicle that actually serves their needs rather than what they're being told is, is their need. Making pickups electric is great for those for the people that need pickups. Um, making minivans and SUVs electric is great for the people that need vehicles of that size. It's not great if everyone trades in their Prius for an electric pickup truck. Right. How are they marketing the F-150 EV? So I've seen them market it in a number of ways, one on the performance and, and being an electric vehicle. But what I've seen more of is really marketing one of the, the features, the ability to get power from the battery to not just to the wheels, but to power your house when up during a power outage. Yeah, these are really cool. I mean, th that is like so cool. I can imagine plugging in all sorts of things. Yeah. And they even, Ford even put together an infographic that showed how you could use the power from the car or from the truck as a portable power source. So they had an example of like, well, you could use it if you're framing a house. It has 10 uh, 120 volt outlets on the truck and you could run a miter saw, a circular saw, a hammer drill, two uh, air compressors and some floodlights is their example for how you could use it at a construction site. That's more outlets than I have, you know... <laughs> 
Well, I want to say in my house, but like definitely in my shed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they also gave the example of how you could throw what they call an extreme tailgate party. So you could run <laughs> a 20 foot projection TV, a portable hot tub, a PA system, a portable air conditioner, refrigerator, and two blenders. So, <laughs> you know, that's maybe less practical, but, but more fun way to use the, um, the power coming off of that because they on the most capable version, you can get almost, um, 10 kilowatts of power from the truck to devices. This is sounding pretty extreme. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I'm looking forward to the uh, seeing the ads on TV <laughs> when when we get closer to to rolling out this this EV. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually seen quite a few advertisements um, on the San Francisco Giants games that I watch promoting the Ford F one fifty Lightning. So it's not out there yet, but they do look like they're at least putting some marketing dollars behind this vehicle right now. David, thank you for joining me on the podcast. This was a really interesting conversation. There are some pretty exciting things about EV pickups that I did not know about. And I hope we do see them on the market as soon as possible. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today. It's great talking about electric vehicles. There's nothing I love to do better. Now it's time to hear from Jenna Reed, a senior analyst in the Center for Science and Democracy here at UCS. She keeps a close watch on the many ways science is ignored and sidelined on the federal, state, and local levels of our government. Today, she's here with some good news about a bad pesticide. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, has banned the use of the pesticide chlorpyrifos on food. The pesticide has been linked to neurological damage in children and poses a risk to farm workers and their families and rural drinking water. The ban is a necessary protection for public health and encouraging sign that EPA leaders will listen to the science and do their job on behalf of underserved communities, according to the Union of Concerned Scientists, UCS. Science and justice have finally won out. With today's rule banning food uses of chlorpyrifos, the U.S. EPA has acknowledged the overwhelming scientific evidence showing that the pesticide is a clear hazard to public health, causing harm to farm workers and communities. Chlorpyrifos has been shown to be particularly dangerous to fetal and child brain development. The decision to allow the continued use of chlorpyrifos was a signal failure of the previous administration. The EPA's legal obligation is to look at the evidence and make rules in the broader public interest. Instead, political appointees in the previous administration picked and chose the evidence they wanted and discarded the rest, relying on disinformation from the chemical industry instead of the best available scientific data. These political appointees ignored calls from environmental justice advocates, independent public health experts, the federal courts, and the EPA's own scientists to ban chlorpyrifos. A UCS analysis found that nearly 2 million children under age 5 living in agricultural communities, mostly low-income communities and communities of color, have faced a likely increased risk of harm to their brains and nervous systems because of the EPA's failure to act on chlorpyrifos use. This injustice is appalling, especially since that harm was preventable, but for the previous administration's deliberate refusal to do anything about it. 
by finally banning chlorpyrifos, Administrator Michael Regan and the EPA are demonstrating that they'll listen to the evidence and act to protect public health. We can't and won't accept anything less moving forward. Well, that's it for this episode of the Got Science podcast. Got Science is made possible by the 125,000 members of UCS and especially our Partners for the Earth, the 13,000 supporters who make monthly contributions to defend science. Learn more at ucsusa.org partners. Special thanks to Dr. David Reichmuth. Segment by Jenna Reed. Editing by Colleen McDonald, with additional editing and music by Brian Middleton. Research and writing by Pamela Worth. Our executive producer is Rich Hayes, and I'm your host, Colleen McDonald. Thanks. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and see you next time.